you really ought to want to help farmers like us. So we decided we would take this week's podcast and talk about how you can do that. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of June 19th, 2012. We're coming to you a couple of days early this week, and um, next week, you know, I've always said, everybody deserves a break now and then, so we're taking one. So uh, our next podcast will not be until July 5th. So uh, This has got to hold us for a while. I was going to say, and it may seem a little ahead of time, but we're going to go ahead and say, Happy Fourth of July! (laughs) (laughs) Um, Our subject today is just what you said in your introductory statement. We want to talk about ways that the general public can help organic subsistence farmers. Like us. Like us, that's right. So... um, Perhaps we should start out by just talking about why, if someone is not doing this, why should they want to help farms like ours? Great question. I think one thing we have to acknowledge is that farmers like us don't do a thing to help GNP, gross national product. If we're subsistence, we certainly aren't, because by by definition, we're just trying to feed ourselves. We're not selling it. We're not distributing And we actually are working to spend less than we have in the past. We we haven't really started in earnest monitoring our spending, but we will do that sometime this year. And when that begins, we will be working actively to spend less money off the farm every year. Yeah, so if you're looking to us to help grow the economy, look elsewhere. (laughs) However... I think that we are terrific when it comes to gross national happiness. Yeah, yeah, that's a... That's a measure that uh, economists don't care much about, but we people, we humans, should care deeply about Mm -hmm. the extent to which we are a happy population. And when it comes to gross national happiness, we're like gold mines. That's right. Um, And, and, you know, one thing we should... There's a lot of talk these days about food security well if you grow your own food that's the single most important way to assure assure your food security not only ours but the people around us because a little known fact about people like us is we are constantly giving food away and having an extra bit of food an excess of food makes us crucial to food security. Yeah, we gave a lot away last summer, especially cucumbers. Yeah, I'm not sure we're going to give away as much this year because we've gotten a slow start. We've been focused on the lodge. Um, I'm sure we'll give away some, but probably won't be as much Mm -mm. as we did last year. But, you know, we we do what we can. And we, as you said, our long-term view is that that's a habit that we've developed is we like to give away our excess produce. And we like having excess food. Yes, (laughs) that's right. We're happy to do it. It's important to us to be able to give food away. And yes, we've considered this year to be something of an anomaly because we've been working so hard to get the lodge complete. But after that's finished, we really do expect that we will be giving away food 
in a lot of different channels. Yeah. So yeah. we're really important to food security, and people like us are more important to food security than the cult, than the population realizes. Right. And, of course, we talk about our farm a lot here, but keep in mind, 75% of the land is forest. It's woods. And that Just... forest is not being grown to harvest timber. We have no. no interest in harvesting timber off our land. The reason we are cultivating that forest is, I guess, a portion to have firewood from deadfall. Well, several reasons, and it's certainly uh, wildlife habitat. We like having little birds and deer and turtles and foxes running around on our farm. We think they are helpful to us generally. Mm-hmm. And it's just a good thing for us to do. Yeah, and of course, trees are so important to the ecosystem, um, not just for habitat, but um, a source of oxygen for us humans. You know, sort we kind of need it, don't we? We sort of need oxygen, and they're good. <laughs> they're good that way. And also, we uh, we've talked, I think, before about the fact that our farm is hilly, so erosion would be a major problem if we didn't have all those nice trees out there. Exactly. We we're doing good things for the land around us by maintaining this as an organic subsistence farm rather than some other use. So um, you want us to be here. And we're good contributors because we don't, or let's just say we're not negative contributors. That sounds strange just to put it that way because we have a creek that runs through our property and we don't use inorganic fertilizers we don't use um, pesticides, herbicides. Being organic means that the water that runs off into the creek, into the water system, um, is, is not polluted. cleaner than it, yeah. than it arrived on our land. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it, it's the kind of thing you want people to do. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to um, the, the fact that we're not polluting, we're always sharing knowledge about what we do. You and I have had a good time doing these organic moments videos that we share with the Alabama Cooperative Extension System, and those are available to the public. Uh, Not to mention the podcast. Good to have, and the podcast itself, yeah. We hope we're sharing knowledge. Yeah, we, we hope that you benefit from having us share what we are learning in this way. And we're doing this because we're organic subsistence farmers, because we know that this is unusual. We want to get the word out. Exactly. So, um, and, and then community is something that benefits from having organic, subs- well, we've talked about why we think organic's an important piece of it, but from having people like us in the community who are, we talked about sharing our food, sharing our knowledge, and certainly, we see how important it is to have a sense of community because we aren't completely self-sufficient. We do have to look to our neighbors and the farmer's market up the road to help supply our needs. And we do an awful lot to support our local economy. Just ask yeah. the folks at Tallahassee True Value. I know. I know. Well, <laughs> this is kind of a once-in-a-lifetime building project, but... We'll always continue to Yes and no, need that's them. right. We will always be buying uh, from think from the local merchants in Tallahassee uh, what we need for seed, equipment, little projects that we have going on. So um, we'll, we're good to have. And, you know, I guess 
when you grow the way we grow, you don't treat the land as a tool. You treat the land as a trust. That's right. You know that not only this year do you have to look to that little quarter of an acre plot out there on Veg Hill to to supply your needs, but next year and the year after that and the year after that. And so really you take the long view and you want to build your soil up. You know, we've been to so many of these organic growing conferences that say, I'm, I'm not growing vegetables, I'm growing soil, because they realize that the most important thing you can do is improve and amend and build up the fertility of the soil and, and give it an, it's an ability to take care of itself. And our soil actually reflects that. It's getting better, isn't it? Is it is getting better. Our soil on <laughs> Veg Hill is getting better. I can't say yet that... Um, that is the case on the orchard floor, although I, I certainly don't see any indication that fertility is declining. Mm-mm. And I can just tell when I go out there and I'm planting seeds that um, it's richer. And, and certainly, I think the use of the cover, cover crops last year helped. So, yeah, it's, a, it's doing well. Yeah, and the tilt of the soil is, incre- is improving. The, uh, the general fertility is improving. It's just more fun to work with. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I'm sure you remember those early days when we were trying to grow things, we felt oh. like more like we were scratching than, than cultivating. You know, it was. It was just hard pan and rocks. Um, that, And I'm not saying that I don't ever run into rocks anymore, but because we've, between buying some soil, which we did topsoil, we did a few, for a couple of years, but now, and, and then planting the cover crops and uh, just and husbanding, husbanding the, yeah. the uh, soil appropriately with, uh, you know, maintaining cover and putting the plants back in the, as much as we can. We we pull right. as little organic matter off the soil as possible, and we put it back so that it can increase the fertility of the soil. So it is getting better, it no really question is, about yeah. it. So don't know whether we've convinced you that you want to help us, but that's all we've got. So. Um, unless you know something else. We're just nice people. Yeah, Is that a we're good, good people. Yeah. <laughs> so you should be helping people like us. Now let's shift gears and talk about how. All right. Well, um, what happens when you hear um, an appeal for uh, legislation to subsidize commodity crops? And, of course, you, they usually don't use the word commodity, but should we be subsidizing corn Soybean production? Cotton. Cotton? Should we be doing that? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think that the subsidies that have developed in the United States are targeted by big, successful, profitable corporations and the whores they buy in our legislatures to help big, successful agricultural companies. Right. They don't have much interest in you and me. There's no benefit to you and me from these big agricultural subsidies. The benefit goes to big corporations and they like it. They don't want to change. But we don't need those subsidies. And frankly, we don't need subsidies for us either. No. We basically just need a level playing field. Yeah. I mean, there are some grants that small-time farmers can apply for. And uh, we can talk, if we ever really want to get into the specifics, we can have a podcast about that. But just suffice it to say that there are ways that the government pr- provides financial assistance to small farmers and um, 
even some that are stipulated to be, it's like helping transition to organic if you want to do that That's true. with your farm. Um, and, and certainly I'm not talking, and I don't think you are either, we're not talking about eliminating those things. We're just talking about subsidizing particular crops or, you know, Well, I would corn. say that those things are nice to have, but if we just had a level playing field where farmers were taking the risk to develop the crops that people need to eat in response to a normal market, I don't think there'd be any problem with farming. Well, I think um, the what's got us, what's got farmers running for cover is these huge subsidies that go to cotton, corn, soybeans, rice, you know, the, yeah. the big commodity stuff. Yeah. Well, um, one thing we could talk about a bit that we're intimately involved with is the cooperative extension system. Boy, that is something that's so important to people like us. Yeah, and, and in case you think, oh, well, what is that, some big governmental agency? Uh, no, when you hear somebody say, I'm a master gardener, that is actually a branch of the cooperative ex extension system. And the whole purpose of master, the master gardener program is education. It's to help, well, that's one of them, certainly, but to help the public become informed about best practices in whether it's ornamental or vegetable production or fruit production whatever it might be or even dealing with pests or wildlife invasions um we master gardeners are there partnered with extension to help the public and and so i'm the just public gonna interest. hop up on my soapbox here for a moment and say if you are a master gardener and you are not intimate with your cooperative extension agent then something is wrong. And I'm not saying it's your fault. Maybe it's the cooperative extension agent. But if Master Gardener is, if the Master Gardener program is working well, it's because you are extending the, the reach, the information gathering, and the information mm -hmm. dispersal of the extension agent. And so yeah. we, we happen to be so blessed with our extension agent, Mallory Kelly. She's just a gem, and as a result, we just want to make sure we do everything we can to help mm -hmm. her job be easier. Yeah. Um, but e even if we did not have such a gem, I hope we would be working to help our extension I agent. I think we would be. And in case people are wondering, well, what can I, okay, so you convinced me I need to support a cooperative extension program. How do I do that? Use it. That's one of the main ways because what happens is th they track the use of their website to the extent they can, calls into the helpline, participants um, in workshops. Participants in workshops. And when you do anything like that, go to the website for, uh, if you're in Alabama, it's ACES. Um, dot edu. Dot edu. That's right. Well, yeah, I wasn't going to say, but, you know, or Google. ACES, all caps, um, or Alabama Cooperative Extension System, something. And in your own state, if you're in California, I know they've got one. In other words, every state has one. And um, just find that information that that system is disseminating. Use it and call the helpline that's available. Um, whatever you can do to, to register that you are participating in that system and then that gets back indirectly to the government to to keep funding it to to let people know That's this is point. an important 
um, And the other system. thing you can do to support the cooperative extension system is to be an advocate for it with your legislator, with your senator. Absolutely. Make sure they know that you think that's important and it needs to be supported because it does. It's at the heart of our food security. Mm-hmm. The, the big agricultural companies, they don't need the extension system because they have their own information gathering. They have their own strangled hold on agricultural research, which we'll get to in a moment. The, the cooperative extension system helps people like us. It yeah. helps small farmers. It helps. Now, you know, obviously there are services to big industrial companies right. too. But basically the lion's share of the benefit from the cooperative extension system goes to farmers like us. So, so support them. Now, I think we could shift gears, and, and it's somewhat of a, an easy segue to talk about agricultural research because of the fact that extension, the extension system, does rely on the agricultural institutions in that state, that is the universities in a given state, for their, um, re- you know, that's where the research comes from. And, and that research has been shifted during the last couple of decades. There was a time, not, you know, within our lifetime, certainly, mm-hmm. when agricultural research was primarily funded by the government. And the agricultural research was focused on what small farmers needed to know. Well, mm-hmm. that funding source has basically dried up. There's still a little of it, but not much. What the agricultural research does now is, I don't want to be too sweeping here, but basically it's helping big, powerful corporations sell more poison. Although, and and here's where I have to, to come in and disagree with you, the trend now that I'm seeing in our own system here, like with integrated pest management and some of the other um, sort of um, perspectives and and concepts that are being offered is a shift toward giving consumers a choice to say, all right, you want to grow your tomatoes organically? Here are some ways to do it. Now, if you're willing to use pesticides, if you're willing to use herbicides, if you're willing to buy from Monsanto, you know, some sort of hybrid or something, then this is how you can do that. Um, It's giving... We're, we're beginning to see options. We're beginning to see, and yes, it may not be the main emphasis, but I'm optimistic because I people will, are interested. I will harumph a little and then I will let you get by with that. <laughs> How about that? Well, and, and we can talk. I know we have some organic seminars coming up in our within Extension um, in our area in the next few months and we'll talk about that as it gets closer because there's an increasing interest in how to do it this way oh a lot of us want to know this is information that the public is hungry to get and there's a and then the the system is listening that i guess that's what my point is the extension system agents are listening they're saying okay then we're going to see what we can find oh i agree with you there i think the extension agents are listening Mm-hmm. What's not getting translated is the agricultural research at places like Auburn is still in response to the grants from Monsanto right. and Cargill and ADM. Well, because you know, having that's in, where the money is. I was going to say, having been an academic, and um, when you're thriving on grant money, you begin to understand. I mean, there's it's a it's a double-edged sword. So and our not point, a lot of the point yeah. I'm trying to make is, if you want to help organic subsistence farmers 
support basic agricultural research funding by the government. Yes. Which is designed to help small farmers. Right, and that, I would agree really with that. I would agree with that. And also, um, you and I took had some reason for hope um, a couple of years back when we went to Southern Sog, and there was at least one gentleman who was doing almost all um, organic fruit. Well, I think it was for him all organic fruit production, and he admitted, "I'm in the minority, and when I retire, they may not replace me with another person of my." Because it's hard to get funding. Because it's hard to get funding. But he, so so you can find these types of research going on. But, and, and I will say, I mean, University of Illinois, which we're out, that's one of our alma maters. I've gone to their site a couple of times and found, okay, here's how to do this organically. You know, here's how to control squash bugs without using pesticides. But if you need to use pesticides, you know, this is what you can use. So again, I think the options are beginning to um, be more available. Okay. They're making the best of the dearth of knowledge we have. Yes, granted. And and I guess it's, although we're running long here, I think this is important and we need to stay with it. Um, hope you can count this one for part of next week if you want uh-huh. to. But um, when the when we don't know any more than we do, yes, we do the best job we can to supply knowledge based on what we already know. But you and I are so painfully aware of all the things we don't know. Right. And and that's where we'd, uh, we'd like to see even more of a shift in that direction. And we'd like to see um, that shift be about what's practical and you know necessary in a given area. And, like not using and, pesticides. And, you know, let's run quickly through the list of things we came up with. And this is like 30 minutes worth yeah. of thinking or, yeah. or even less. Um, we were just talking today whether we need to rotate the beans and the peas because both, they both set nitrogen. Mm-hmm. Should we, you know, move one or the Between other? Between each and, other, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we're trying to decide you know, does it help to rotate them or is it better not to rotate them? Well, nobody's done research on that. Somebody ought to be doing research on that. I can't say that nobody's done research on that, but um, it's just that you can't say nobody has. But the point is, I think that's just an example of um, the kinds of questions that rather than trying out certain pesticides, just help us find natural means of controlling pests yeah. and if rotation um is the answer or not you know we, we just want to know about that and this here's one that we've been agonizing over for about two or three years how do you control weeds in an organic no-till system yeah we can't just send the tiller in there to chew up the weeds because uh, we have drip tape out there i was going to say when i was reading an article last week about organic methods of weed control uh the the one that kept coming to the forefront was it's great you know it works but you got to till the soil but we don't do that we don't do that and we don't uh, use a, a flame m- machine either because we've got drip tape out there and if we'd melt it <laughs> yeah you, you hit one drip tape with a with a flame and you got a rupture so yeah um, those don't work for us what would work for us but we've got this 
meme out there that after you plant brassicas, you can't plant brassicas there for three years. Is there anything we could do that would speed it up? What is it about brassicas that that requires that waiting period? And, you know, could we remedy it with a cover crop? Could we plant some other companion there along with the brassicas so that we could continue growing them more often? All that, We don't know the answer to that. Those are the sorts of things that we'd love for basic research to cover. Yes, and since we're talking research as funded by the government, uh, let's talk about the fact that the government could be patenting new varieties Things and like, giving them away. That's right. Things like these wonderful golden kiwis that we're waiting to get from petals from the past. Because There's no reason that that needs to be owned by some private enterprise or right. even by a university. It ought to be owned by the government and given away yeah. so that we can start growing them in earnest. Because my understanding is China... It's, it has, is is developing this yes. golden kiwi and is charging for it. All right, it's a, like you suggested. Why doesn't our government say, well, of all the things we could spend money on, we do need to feed our population. Let's buy the patent and then and, give it away. And give it away, so that an, a somebody like Petals from the past doesn't have to pay thousands of dollars yeah. as they do just for the right to sell the first golden kiwi. Mm-hmm. And then they pay per plant they sell. Why not change that system? Have you know have the government be getting in that and having it available, and then people like us could be growing a whole lot more kiwis and apples and pears and plums and. I was going to say no telling. Yeah, no telling what else falls into that category that we don't even know about. That some variety that we could be. Um, growing that would be more successful or better or more resistant to disease, uh, and the government would that would be a good use of the money to, to and give it away. So, so now we've moved. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about what the government can do. Now let's talk about what regular people can do. Well, okay, they can do what we've done, which is actually become organic subsistence farmers. You bet. We need more people doing what we're doing. So, yes, become an organic subsistence farmer like us. Um, that'll, that'll be the nicest thing you can do for people like us and you don't to have, join us. you don't have to have a huge amount of land to do it. No. Yeah, we've already figured out you could do it. Uh, you could do it on a half an acre. Yeah. But we've already figured out that if you wanted to do it the way we're doing it, you could do it with 15 acres. Yeah. And just make sure you got full sun. You're, you're golden. Even those people who are not going to become farmers, everybody ought to be composting. I know. It's amazing how much potential compost, and I'm thinking about buffets, you know, how much of that goes down into landfills. It just gets thrown into a plastic bag and put in a landfill when we should be composting it. like I said, a bu- I, yeah. I've singled out buffets, but yeah. where we know I, I there's food as that's well you should, wasted. There's a lot of food wasted in there. Yeah. And so, and, and people have garbage disposals. Well, that's great. I'm sure that's convenient. I've had one before myself. But the fact a of the long, matter is... A long, long time ago. Long we time haven't ago. had a garbage disposal in well, decades. back when, actually, the house I grew up in. But the point is, take that food that you can't eat or that's gone bad or the peach pits or... Well, you don't put a peach pit down the disposal, but, you know, the peeling off the peach and put that into a composting bin and 
boy, you'll have some of the richest um, fertilizer, organic fertilizer you and can hope trust for. Trust me, you don't. You may not know you know them, but you know a dozen people who would love to use that compost if you made it available to them. Yeah. So um, if everybody composted and shared it with an organic grower, um, the world would be a better place, wouldn't it? <laughs> As it would be a better place if you saved your cardboard. <laughs> we we always need cardboard around here because cardboard makes such great mulch. Yeah, it's a great way to suppress weeds. You're not going to use Roundup, so you got to do something. Well, you use barrier methods, physical methods of suppressing the weeds. Put down some cardboard, put some hay or wood chips or whatever you got on or top of that straw and uh you, you know that keeps the weeds down for a long long time and the last thing you can do is come see us we like visitors yeah should we talk about our most recent visitor we are so privileged to have had dr ed passerini come to see the farm and, ed is uh, our mentor from our days when we were undergraduates in college and that dates us and it dates ed we're talking here about the early 70s um, when we first came to love Ed Passerini. And he is responsible for our even being aware of the need to do this kind of thing, to to walk softly on the earth, to care for it, to realize that, you know, it's we're run, there, there are, there's a finite resources and we need to conserve them. And to understand the the nature of the food cycle and you know what you put into the earth you gotta something's gonna ha you know in other words if you dump phosphates it's got to go somewhere and it's going to become part of the ecosystem so you know all of those concepts have helped to um i guess motivate us to do what we're doing to take a leap of faith and try to try to do the subsistence farming thing. So hats off to you, Ed. We are so grateful to you and loved having you come to see us at the farm. Ed spent the night with us Sunday night, and we had a really nice visit with him Monday morning before he had to go on to his next engagement. But it was great. Yeah, uh, we just uh, and and we were thrilled that Ed loved what we were doing. That was the other piece yeah. of it. it his, his opinion is so important to us. It really is. So, <laughs> um, And see, if, if that's the case, then, you know, if you come, then you might like it too. So, <laughs> so exactly. I do think it helps. And, and it is an educational um, goal that I have. It's, I, I think the, um, the educator in me has not retired. <laughs> so we finish with that idea that we do like to have visitors. Those of you who are listening, if you're within travel distance, uh, please get in touch with us and arrange a time when you can come see what we're doing, because not only will you learn something, we always learn I was something just when we say, have visitors. I was thinking that same thing. Everybody who has come has had some perspective that I'd never heard before. I hadn't tried, or they would see how I'm how I stake that tomato, and oh well, let me. I've tried it this way, so it's a it's a a give and take of information, and so we appreciate any suggestions you have. <laughs> so you better get us out of here. Yeah, I know we're we're way over time, but we're skipping next week. So happy Fourth of July! We we'll look forward to seeing you or talking to you on the fifth. Have a good one. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. 
Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.